Hello, I'm Arfa, I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to Slow Pit Stop. I'm Mohammed from the US and I have with me my co-host as always, Arafat in the UK. How are you doing, Arafat? Hi. I'm Hi. good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. So we uh, have with us for the first time, actually not the first time, the second time in our history, um, a Red Bull fan as our guest. And I'm very excited about it. Uh, everyone give a, I, I can't say everyone give a nice welcome to because this is an audio <laughs> only thing. Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone, welcome Hi. Adam to the podcast. Hey, Adam, how are you doing? Dun, dun, dun. I'm doing great, guys. So, Adam. A guy comes with his own siren. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, living close to work. Probably not too much unlike you guys. Right. So, Adam, how did you get into Formula One and how did you uh, become a Red Bull fan? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm Canadian, first of all. So, I grew up in Toronto and uh, Toronto is basically just a. Uh, you know, a patchwork of, you know, basically first, second generation immigrants most of the time. So like Toronto is basically, you're a naturalized, you know, Hong Kongese, Punjabi, Italian, right. you know, over the years. And so, mm-hmm. so growing up, my father would usually watch Serie A and, uh, and Formula One. Now he watches the English Premier League, but, you know, it was much cooler to watch Juve back in the day. Yeah. Um, and so that was pretty much it. And so I, I grew up on the stuff and, um, you know, being a late 80s baby, I I watched, you know, basically some of the greats come up in the 90s and late 80s and uh, had to cast my lot. And so I chose McLaren Honda and, um, you know, obviously host to two of the greatest drivers all, of all time. The, yeah. the greatest driver of all time, uh, Alain Prost, and the second greatest, Ayrton Senna, <laughs> starting off controversial. Um <laughs> The, as McLaren started to ditch Honda in favor of Mercedes, I had to make a call. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, I, I stuck with, with you know, the remnants of Honda as they turned to Braun GP. Got me super excited. That was a Mercedes engine, but essentially otherwise Honda engineering. And I kind of chose that pathway. And so, you know, stuck by McLaren Honda when they came back, uh, even though that was dismal watching Jensen and Fernando mm. try their best. But... Um, you know, that's fandom. And then I had to make another call when Honda came back. Do I go with McLaren, Mercedes, or do I go with Red Bull, Honda? Uh, you know, I had no great admiration for Seb Vettel. He's an awesome guy now, but he was a total... Do we? Can we curse on this podcast? What do we prefer? Go for it. He was he was such a <laughs> head when he was young, right? He was, uh, now he's like, honestly, sort of like the elder statesman of the sport yeah. and such a class act, but he wasn't at the time. Yeah. So I didn't like Seb or... or Christian Horner that much back then but I, I like them and they're both of them kind of I like them more in their mature forms and so Red Bull Honda it was and uh, Red Bull Honda it remains for me something I mm-hmm. wonder about because like you said you know Sebastian Vettel in the Red Bull era was quite annoying to some people yes but now you know he's he's someone that people look up to and admire mm-hmm. and I wonder what will we think about Verstappen 10, 15 years from now. Indeed, because I think he's already becoming more humble and mature. You know, you can, you see those videos of, of him and Leclerc as Carters, and he was clearly oh, yeah. a whiny little brat. <laughs> he's using, he's using you know, epithets, not because he's necessarily crass, but because he's uneducated, right? Calling people Mongols as, as recently as two years ago and things like that. Right. And already you see him in these interviews um, being much more mature and, and reasonable. 
You know, what would any of us had said with uncensored cameras on our faces 24-7? Well, I right? definitely think the 21 season matured uh, Verstappen. Like, I think when he realized he's in a real title fight, he got serious about a lot of things. And uh, it's definitely evident in his uh, demeanor. But I wanted to ask yeah. you, Adam, are, are you more of a, a Honda fan or a Red Bull fan? Because I have a friend who's a huge Honda fan. And when yeah. Honda left the sport, he's like, yeah, I don't care about Red Bull anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that's pretty much how I feel. So I wasn't really like a Red Bull Renault fan, particularly. I'm just a Honda fan, <laughs> uh, and I I kind of like the fighting spirit of the team now. Yeah, and especially when you when you consider that essentially the entire Red Bull team is just a giant sponsorship for their drink. So they're putting yeah. all this effort in, all this mm-hmm. determination to win championships, but the end result is to sell more drinks. But uh, speaking of sponsorships, I have a game for you guys today. So we try to start off with something fun before we get into the nitty gritty. This game is called Who's That Decal? It's inspired by something I saw on TikTok. I'm going to go through a number of team sponsors and you're going to have to tell me what the team is. Uh, the first level, there's four different levels uh, and it goes from easy to hard. And I've got a tiebreaker at the end. So uh, we'll start with you, Adam, because you are a guest. And then we'll go to Arfat and then we'll go back to you and then uh, whoever wins okay. gets uh, bragging points. So, with that said, nice. Adam, your first uh, your first team sponsor is Oracle. Who is the team for that? Ooh, who could it be? It's Red Bull Racing. Excellent. Okay, our fight. And your first team is, or your first sponsor is Patronus. That is currently Mercedes, but they've been up and down the grid a bit. They used to be on Sauber, I believe. And they used to be on the BMW car okay, as well, well, which I guess is Sauber. I Ooh, didn't need the detail. Information. I love it. <laughs> it is current teams only. Uh, minus half a point for Arfat for knowing what? that. No, I'm kidding. Okay, I'm just kidding. But I'm blushing, and I, he's in my head now, so this is real <laughs> F1. Okay, Adam, uh, level two team is Team Viewer. What Team Viewer? What team has Team Viewer as a sponsor? Oh, my God. I can almost picture it. Um. You know, I think I can picture it both on Mercedes and their Formula E car. So is that your final answer? Uh, I believe so, oh, yes. That is correct. <laughs> Team Viewer is a Mercedes sponsor. Congratulations. Okay, <laughs> Arfi, level two. Your sponsor is, and I know you don't know anything about Megan the Stallion, so I gave you Cash App. Who sponsors? <laughs> Who is Cash App oh. sponsoring? Cash App appears on the Red Bull car next to the Walmart logo. Very, very good. Okay, these are Ooh, a lot. I hope he's easy. giving us a free one. <laughs> All right, Adam, your level three is Singha. Who that is sponsored by Singha? Oh, be a sing, be a tie. That is <sighs> Alpha Romeo. Correct. Very good. Very, very good. I would have got that wrong. I think you all know these better than I do. Arfat, your level three is FX Pro. Who does <clears throat> FX Pro sponsor in Formula One? Oh, uh, I'm going to get this wrong. What? Who do they sponsor? I'm trying to think where do they appear. Can we do a steals? <laughs> do you want to do a steal? Do you want to try and steal it? Do you know this one? Only if Arafat's for sure. No, if he doesn't know it, I'll, I'll let you one. steal. But we I, I'll make a guess, and if I get it wrong, you can you can steal. I'm going to guess Haas. Incorrect. Adam. Ugh. For a steal. This is a McLaren sponsor. Correct. Very good. So that's three to two. Adam, your next team is, or your next sponsor is 
Snapdragon. Who the Snapdragon sponsor in Formula One? This is also the final level of difficulty, so I try to pick ones that were harder. But if Adam gets this, I will cry into my pillow. Oh, is this new this year? I don't. <sighs> it is a smaller decal on their car. You'd have to really be looking at their car, trying to figure out how their aerodynamics work. That's a little bit of a hint. Interesting. Yeah, now I feel like I think I know where you're going with this. Um, so you either mean <clears throat> Ferrari or Mercedes. And we've used too much Mercedes. So let's say Ferrari. Correct. You've gotten that yes. correct. It is a Ferrari <laughs> sponsor. <laughs> I don't think I could have done that without the hint. And Arfa, your level four is... Citrix. Who does Citrix sponsor in Formula One? Who does Citrix sponsor? Uh, Come on. Um, Citrix. Citrix. Citrix sponsor. Who do they sponsor? Oh, it's going to be a total guess. I'm going to say McLaren. The correct answer, Adam, do you know it? Red Bull Racing. Oh, wow, Adam. Wow, you really destroyed I was going to say Red Bull, and then I was like, the, it just feels wrong saying Red Bull because we've said lots, of, we've had lots of Red Bull already with the cash app and things. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> you did it for me. I respect that. Thank you, guys. So uh, <laughs> there's one more, and because the score is 4-2 to two, to give Arfat some leeway, you can do the tiebreaker. Arfat, who does Castrol sponsor in F1? Ralpine Point. I don't know what you're trying to say. Please say the correct answer. <laughs> Alpine. Correct. Alpine. It's Alpine. That's correct. But because they're pink, I call them Ralpine Point. I know, but I don't remember if you're talking about Aston Martin or Racing Point or Alpine when you say that. Because there's so many teams now involved with that phrase. <laughs> but correct. You should call them Ralpto Bismol. Ralpto Bismol. Yes. <laughs> so, Adam bodied that quiz game. Absolutely destroyed it. Um, I'm going to go cry in my pillow because I thought I picked hard ones. I actually did not know the cast. cast <laughs> <laughs> I was like, NASCAR? <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. You are the winner of our first ever Who's That Decal game. Woo! And you were collecting sponsor money, right, guys? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of sponsors, we'll talk about our Fantasy F1 League at the end. But just a reminder to all of our listeners, we have an ongoing promotion with Little Prince 3D on Etsy. They print these incredible 3D tracks um, that you can put on your wall. I've got one of Silverstone. I'm going to order one of uh, Coda because I'm an American and I have to support my people. And if you use code slow pit stop you can get 10 percent off on any of your orders they do different color options they've got the entire 2022 season as a set it's a really cool company and i really like my track that i got so you will really like yours but moving on now to our australian gp so what did you guys think of the race so i think when we're going to discuss the race we'll try and do our three-stop strategy again so last time we thought right let's talk about the people that were at the back of the race the teams that were in the middle, the teams that were at the front. But actually, a lot of the teams have had contrasting fortunes with some of their drivers right up at the top of the grid and right at the bottom as well. So I thought we'd split it into constructors. I'm going to go through Aston Martin, Williams and Alpha Tauri, and then I'm going to hand over to Adam for the midfield. So it, it was a bizarre qualifying. I think that's, that's where the Williams and Aston Martin race really started. They've had a tough weekend. Aston Martin with lots of crashes and going off the track and all sorts. I 
I was actually on my way to work when qualifying was happening and got to work, did our handover meeting. I'm sat in the doctor's room watching uh, qualifying on my phone and there's an unwell patient in recess and the consultant's like, all right, Arafat, let's go. And I was like, oh, Dr. H. Audrey, I'm just, I'm just watching the Formula One. Why don't, why don't you go on ahead and uh, I'll meet you there in a couple of minutes. And he was like, okay. And I don't know if he was a Formula One fan or if he was just being really cool or if I just totally confused him by being so out of line. But thank you, Dr. Ray Chowdhury, for letting me watch uh, Lance Stroll smash into uh, Nicholas Latifi. Um, it, was, it was just unfortunate. That whole incident was tragic. For everyone. I can see how easy it is for Lance Troll to make that mistake, but yes, he was at fault. Well, so here's the interesting thing about that accident, but before I say it, I just want to make sure that patient was okay, right? Like, you didn't compromise Yeah, they, I mean, they had the consultant who's got okay. years and years of experience. Who would you rather be treated by, that guy or me who's too distracted looking at my phone? If I was in hospital, I would want you to be my doctor. I would, I would order so many inappropriate tests on you, but let me put the lines in though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. In well, terms of, let's get it done in one. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to say about Lance Stroll is, so before going into this weekend, I was watching, uh, I was listening to a race recap for last race in um, Jeddah, and somebody was saying that, oh yeah, actually it was Brad Philpot on the Missed Apex podcast. He was saying that Lance Stroll does this thing when he's down a straight going into a corner, he just completely doesn't look into his mirrors at all. And he just turns and he just like YOLOs it every time he takes a turn. And I think that's exactly what happened uh, in qualifying. And I think it's so funny because he said it last week. And yeah, I definitely think his grid penalty was deserved because that is ridiculous. What do you guys think? I think mitigating factors, Latifi let him overtake, but then decided that Lance was going to stroll. So wanted to overtake Lance. Lance was going but... to stroll? Yeah, Lance was going too slow. Lance was going too slow, so Latifi went back ahead, and Lance wasn't expecting mm-hmm. that. But Checks out. It, it, it was just, <laughs> it was just unfortunate. But speaking of the other Williams car, Alex Albon had a very good race. He started in last place and forgot to pit. And one lap before the end, he pitted. He had a nineteen-second gap ahead of Guan Yuzhou, which is exactly how much time you need for a pit stop. Uh, and he went really, really fast on his end lap, stretched it out to 20.1. They had a perfect pit stop. And have you seen the photos of him exiting the pit lane? Because they're all like wrapping up for the end of the ceremony. They've got all these VIPs walking through the pit lane to come stand on. <laughs> wow. And Alex yeah. Albin just drives past all of them. And wow. Look online, there's photos. It's it's hilarious and frightening. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose AlphaTauri right. were there. Another good race from Gasly. He got ninth. Sonoda was 15th. I think both of them were unlucky with the safety cars, which you'll remind us of. But really, I think it was just a tough, tough weekend for both Aston Martin drivers and uh, a good weekend for one of the Williams. Here's a question. Yeah. Right now, Nico Hulkenberg is 20th in the standings in the Drivers' Championship because Mm -hmm. he got 12th place with Aston Martin. And 21st is Nicholas Latifi. Do we think Latifi will finish the season as a 21st driver in a 20-man championship? I would, I think that would be hilarious, and I kind of hope so. <laughs> it, has, it has real... Um, what was the, uh, the situation with Alfa Romeo last year? Um, you know, where they had um, 
gosh, I'm blanking. What, the Polish uh, oh, gentleman. Kubica. Oh, Kubica, yeah. Kubica, Kubica outscored. Um, yeah, Kubica outscored. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is this big Kubica energy there, and, and I'd, like, I'd like to see it stand. Yeah. And maybe yeah. Stroll and Latifi will never be world champion, but they're good enough to score points. Latifi showed that last year in the Williams, and you know, I think he might be able to score points again this year, but if he was to finish 21st, just again, for, for the sake of Hulkenberg, I think that would be quite funny. So I made a bold statement last episode that some said was very uh, racially biased of me. I said that Formula One or the FIA should not hand out super licenses to Canadian drivers. And after this weekend, yeah. I absolutely agree. Lance Stroll was a menace on the track. Like he was just yeah. pushing Botas off weaving on the straights it was it was crazy and latifi had his crash well i mean he got crashed into but where was he all race he was last place pretty much the whole time i don't know yeah i mean uh, it's unfortunate you know we we have issues in uh, in our in our union much like the uk does with separatism and this is probably the biggest feather in quebec's cap to say that they must be a distinct people and a distinct Hmm. nation because the villeneuve's probably their their, their nose curls when they see these (laughs) anglophones hit the barriers (laughs) so until i win the lottery and i start uh lotus f1 up again and i'm the number one driver i'm gonna oh can i be the number two driver absolutely (laughs) (laughs) do you want to tell us about the midfield Sure. Yeah, let's talk about it. So so Haas, you know, this is sort of like the crash back down to reality for Haas that I think none of us was really hoping for. You know, we saw in Bahrain, to a lesser extent in Saudi Arabia, both Haas drivers looking potent. Magnussen seeming like, geez, you know, he doesn't even need to, to warm up again. He's hanging out with his bros in Florida. He gets the call from Gunther and he's, he's ready to finish in the top 10. Um and then we, you know, we see this kind of performance and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's disheartening for them. I'm, uh, you know, as a Ukrainian Canadian, especially uh, impressed with Haas's bravery to go it alone without Russian oligarch funding. So like I'm politically invested in this team, to be honest with you, for such a courageous move. Um, <laughs> so I want to see them do well. Yeah. It's, it's also a testament to the fact that, um, you know, we, we knew this in the previous turbo hybrid era, era with Mercedes technology, but it's a good indication that a Ferrari engine is not a golden ticket unto itself. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my feeling there. I hope that they rally. I hope we see, you know, both of those drivers up and down the grid, um, well, so, but especially Magnussen. You know, Bahrain and Jeddah are both power heavy tracks, especially Jeddah. And I think that for a while they were kind of getting by with their Ferrari power because like Bahrain like all the Ferrari power teams were doing extremely well. And, and I, I don't think that was a, a coincidence. I think it was because Ferrari has a really good engine this year. And I think, you know, when you look at McLaren doing well this week and Mercedes relatively doing well this week, I think that you have to ask the question, was it track dependent or was it because they've actually made gains? I, I, I think we're too early to say that Haas has dropped the ball mm-hmm. entirely. Yeah, I, I think it is mm-hmm. definitely a bit of a shock to them to go from double point finishes to... They finished like a bunch of wankers. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. so hard to do a Gunther impression, but I'll work on it. You did a great Toto impression. Do, I did, and and I guess they're from the same country, but the Sud Tirol has such a different accent. Uh, <laughs> um, oh, Gunther was Italian. Gunther, he's from the Alto Adige or the Sud Tirol, but I think technically it's the south of Austria, although the region has a different name in Italy and and 
Adam said that with such a great accent that I'm just going to believe him. Yeah. What about our hometown favorites? How was Daniel Ricardo and McLaren? Well, Daniel Ricardo and McLaren. So, I mean, I guess the short answer is worse than Lando, which is, you know, <laughs> going to be the situation. I hope it's not the continual narrative. I actually kind of like uh, Lando. You know, he's a streamer. You know, he's a young halal gentleman like myself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I like, so I like his lifestyle quite a bit. But uh, in my mind, he's the know, first like, honestly, generation Z driver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, he just has big dork energy, and like, I'm kind of <laughs> here for it because it's not. It doesn't really seem like the. I mean, it kind of, you know, Seb kind of did when he was young too. He wasn't as cool as he thought he was. But um, yeah, you know, Lando has specifically urged us in the post race interviews to take it for nothing, and and that mm-hmm. they're going to be right at the back next in the, in the next two weeks. Um, he's the eternal pessimist. Mm-hmm. I guess he thinks he can only be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, you know, I hope this is the start of something. You know, a flash of hope for McLaren. Were they to at least give Mercedes and Alpine a run for their money, I would be very pleased. Yeah, I, I don't think it was a bad race for Daniel, though. You said he was a little slower than Lando, but I think he actually was faster than Lando, but Lando had some issue with his power unit, and so Daniel couldn't overtake him. And I think it's like you said, it's it's a big question of, you know, it's the reverse Haas. Is this track dependent, or is it like... They've actually made some steps forward, and I don't think we'll we'll know for at least a couple more races. Yeah, here I've made this whole question you asked me about Daniel about Lando, but <laughs> the truth is that I I don't know. There's something about me that just wants to see variety. I think that's another reason why I, I got back with Red Bull after so much Mercedes dominance. I like to see dynasties fall, and I like to see variety occur. Yeah, I for one really like dynasties. I like the stability and the security of the same thing mm-hmm. over and over again. I don't like the chaos of when a dynasty falls. That tells you what team I support. <laughs> yeah, no, I know you too. And yeah, you're in America. Yeah. The exactly. <laughs> if you want to know how much I like change, instead of watching a new show, I'm currently on my 13th rewatch of The Office. <laughs> so that's amazing. See, I can't even go to the same restaurant twice. Wow. <laughs> it's just, it's clearly some kind of, you know, defective ileal that I have. <laughs> Inability to oh, pay attention. <laughs> so Alpine, yeah, Alpine, very exciting, uh, very promising race for them. Certainly when I was watching qualifying, I thought, oh my God. Are the top three teams Ferrari, Red Bull, and Alpine? <laughs> you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, but certainly, uh, I was so excited for Alpine. Ugh, it looked for a while like like uh, like Alonso was going to put it on pole. Uh, no, just bananas, and uh, and I would have just been thrilled. What I think is really interesting about Alpine is how well Esteban Ocon is doing, because I think I don't know for whatever reason in my mind I expected. Fernando to be the team leader in terms of number of points yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and Esteban's, you know, to these new regulations, I think he's just getting stronger and stronger every year. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's not an exciting interview. He's kind of a wiener, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's all, it's mostly, it's more important how you, how you do on track. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, look at both of these French drivers have a P1 to their name. What's funny to me is when Pierre Gasly won in Monza in 2020, like the French commentator was so excited. He started listing out all the great French drivers in history. Then he added Pierre Gasly's name to the end of it. When Esteban Ocon won in Hungary last year, 
there was no such fanfare for that. He wasn't like <laughs> on the front cover of all the newspapers. There was no excited French commentator. And nobody really, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. So, you know, that could be racism, right? Because Esteban is like, I think, ethnically Spanish and Algerian or something. Uh, so maybe. I thought they just didn't like the cut of his jib. I didn't realize they were. Yeah, I think that's, that's more likely to be true. I More likely to be true because he is such a wiener. But, yeah. like... Poor Esteban. So moving on, I guess, to our front runners, uh, since we've covered the midfield, Ferrari, uh, Red Bull, and Mercedes. Interesting weekend, I think, for the three of them. So Ferrari seemed to be on form all weekend. Charles Leclerc was putting fastest lap after fastest lap in qualifying. Carlos Sainz seemed like maybe he could have challenged for that. Maybe he could have qualified P2. Sure. But just the timing was really off for him. And uh, right when that safety car came out, right when we had a red flag, his lap wasn't counted. And opposite for Charles Leclerc, who just managed to f- set his fastest lap. Otherwise, Verstappen would have started on pole and we might have had a very different race. But uh, It really would have. Yeah. yeah, Leclerc started on pole and absolutely dominated his, his first Grand Slam uh, of his career and the first Grand Slam for Ferrari since Fernando Alonso in 2010. So I think that's really good news for Ferrari. I think they're they're actually back on form. Science had uh-huh. pretty much the worst weekend of his Ferrari career, I think. I feel like he's getting stuck into a psychological mind pit of he doesn't want to be a second driver. And he might, maybe this weekend, I feel like he was just overdriving the car. He had a lot to prove after he didn't qualify well. And uh, I hope mm-hmm. he doesn't fall into that trap because, like you said, I'd like to see Carlos Sainz P1. I'd like him to yeah. see him win races. Yeah, definitely. I'd also like to see him take points away from Leclerc so that when Mercedes comes back, we have a decent <laughs> championship. Um, but Red Bull, Red Bull had a little bit of an off week. Verstappen, okay, I'm only going to say this because Adam is on the podcast. Otherwise, I'd never pay Verstappen a compliment. But he's one of those guys. No world peace happens. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> we're in the same room now instead of Twitter comments. Break bread with your enemies, I guess. But um, uh, Verstappen mm-hmm. is one of those drivers who, no matter what car you give him, what setup you give him, when it comes yeah. to the last two minutes of Q3, he will pull out an absolute banger of a lap. And he just, he always does that. And Lewis is like that too. But Verstappen, I really noticed it this week because mm-hmm. he was not happy with the sun in his eyes and he wasn't happy with his setup. And he felt like he just wasn't comfortable all week. And yet he just pulled out an absolutely amazing, I think it was like a 118.3. Verstappen had an okay race, I would say, because yeah. at the start, he didn't really challenge Leclerc. Right towards the end, we had that moment where Verstappen dramatically pulled over. Uh, similar to Bahrain, and there's, he smelled something with his car, and he was out, which is really the yeah. most important thing we need to say about Verstappen is he has now DNF'd two out of three races. He's 46 be- points behind Leclerc, um, and Red Bull is behind Mercedes now in the Constructors' Championship. And so the question is, I-, I put this on Twitter. I said, is this no longer a one-off? Can we Do we say that this is now a proper problem for Red Bull powertrains? And I think we actually have now an issue with powertrains. So. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it's an issue now. I think, you know, you, people are talking about Adrian Newey cars have always been fast but fragile. Had they had more reliability at McLaren in 2005, Kimi Raikkonen should have won the world championship. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we, me and Mohammed were talking earlier about the Red Bull RB13, like struggling to finish most races and things. So, and, and there was another statistic I saw about it was showing how often a driver DNF'd. An average was around 10%, I think, for most drivers, just above or just below, whereas Verstappen was 18%. Um, 
Now, clearly, wow. that's not just all him as a driver. Yeah. There's something about Red Bull that they're building something incredibly fast, but I think uh-huh. it's fragile. And The glass cannons. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think, mm-hmm. will they get on top of it and have a very, very successful rest of the the championship? Or is this going to be a gremlin that pops up every now and again? From my point of view, I know it's very, very exciting to suddenly see, oh, driver pulling over, you know, that's the whole dynamic of the races changing and safety cars and this and that. I want to see races where we don't have safety cars and engines suddenly blowing up. But that's part of Formula One. You know, Jack Villeneuve, Jack Villeneuve, I think in 1998, it was like the year after he won the championship, he DNF like the first 10 races of the season. Like he just (laughs) couldn't finish a race. So, But you know, to have one crazy race so that we can all talk about it and be like, oh my God, that, you know, that Australian Grand Prix, I can't believe so-and-so's engine blew up. I can't believe yeah. there was that safety car. To have it as a one-off is fine. To have the safety car at every race, I don't want this. What I want is, you know, we've seen it before where one driver is taking a one-stop strategy, another one is taking a two-stop, and they put them onto stuff to say, right, you've got yeah. seconds to try and catch and chase. And sometimes the driver that was on the one-stop wins, sometimes the two-stop wins. That's racing. That's skill. That's strategy. That's what you want to see as the bread and butter of Formula One. And every now and again to have a crazy race because of rain and because of a DNF and or whatever else, it, it, it's good drama. It adds to the story and it, it, that can be fun. But I don't want that to become the regular part of what Formula One is. Yeah, I agree. Should it be as frequent as rain itself? Yeah. Yeah, and because the thing is, you know, these safety cars can make races very interesting, these crashes, mm-hmm. but they also screw up strategy yeah. that can be very elegant, mm-hmm. you know? I would have liked to see how Alonso's gamble was meant to pay mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Uh, things like that would be very exciting. And the other thing that's lamentable, you know, it's so nice to see that we seem to be in an era where Mercedes doesn't just gall- gallop off into the distance because it's just so dreary. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're a Mercedes fan, you'd like there to be racing. I, I would. My favorite Mer- Lewis wins okay. were when he had to pit twice. He came yeah. out on snuffs and they said, all right, Lewis, you're in P2. You've got 15 laps to try and catch the leader and get ahead of them. Those were my favorite yeah. races. And what I'll say is, you know, I'm, I'm hoping this is different now. It looks like, you know, the cars are built to follow better. But honestly, you know, how, how far would Charles have been ahead of yeah. Max had there not been multiple crashes? Mm-hmm. The answer is substantially, mm-hmm. right? And that, and that does worry me. And we know that Ferrari is going to bring more upgrades to Imola. Yeah. So, you know, fortunately, Ferrari has a little bit of a curse that they sometimes bring downgrades. So yeah. that could be that could accidentally make things interesting. Yeah, I'm not but worried if really, about that. if they really are on this. Then that's that's uh, I'm a little bit worried about the season because even if you don't love Max uh, or whatever your stance is, I'll, I'll be very clear. You know, I've said this since 2019. Red Bull's my favorite team. Charles is my favorite driver. Mm. I've been consistent on that since his first victories. Wow. Um. And so I'm pretty happy either way, but I won't be happy if Charles is uncontested. Mm. I want to see the kind of racing that we saw in Bahrain and Saudi, where he clearly specifically yeah. understood Max, mm-hmm. the world driver champion, and knew how to foil him. Even last year, you know, Lewis and Max were mm-hmm. very, very respectful, friendly, shaking hands, all of that in the first yeah. part of the season. And then when things start to get more and more tense as as they become more yeah, real, sure. um, friendships start to disappear. Yeah, you you could be right. You could be right. But uh, but I like the idea of it, and I hope the cars stay close. 
Uh, but speaking of safety cars, we have to talk about one of the teams that I suppose was affected the most by the safety car, or you could say maybe, maybe some one of the most, which is Mercedes. So Mercedes had an interesting race. Uh, Lewis Hamilton qualified P5, George Russell P6, and that was a very good result for them, and we expected them to stay that way the whole race. I said last week, if Lewis finishes P4, I will be very happy. Ironically, now I see he could have maybe finished P3, um, but he pitted right before the safety car, and so he came out. He lost position. He 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 did the he managed the overcut on Sergio Perez, which was really good. Uh, but Perez was able to retake that spot immediately, and then he was able to sort of fight Perez. So this was the interesting thing: Lewis mm-hmm. on on pure pace was able to fight Sergio Perez. And the question is, is that because this is a track dependent thing, or yeah. has the setup really gotten better, or is Mercedes no. is track dependent? Yeah, so th- I think it's track Probably. dependent. I think it was killing Perez's front tires to the point where yeah. he had no grip left. And Lewis, because he never had grip in the first place, <laughs> wasn't burning through his tires, so could just yeah. catch up. I think I think that's what yeah. was happening. Yeah, Red Bull really chose an unfortunate setup this time. And, and given how similar the next race is supposed to be, I really hope that they figure it out. But I think they compromised race pace for trying to get pole position. Because they went more aggressive and that burned through the tire. Whereas I think yeah. Mercedes went, look, we're never going to get onto pole position anyway. We're going to have to go on a on a strategy that gets us better race space. Yeah. I saw another meme that I, I loved, which was, uh, you know, Mercedes saying, you know, Mercedes, reliability, more important than speed. Red Bull, speed, more important than reliability. Ferrari, why not both? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, have, you have Charles going on the radio at the end of this race and saying, can I pit for the fastest lap? And you realize just how much more he had yeah. Yeah. and how easy he was taking it. Oof. Yeah. Gosh, that is portentous, as Will Buxton put it. <laughs> but, uh, but George Russell, he benefited a lot from the safety car. He put right at the yeah. correct time. He came out and he was on the podium position and uh, he, he stayed that way. And Well, not podium mm-hmm. position. He was P4 and then that put him into podium position when Verstappen uh, DNF'd. And so he got his first podium of his Red Bull career. And there's a really interesting t- statistic. George Russell <sighs> is driver number awesome. 63. In his 63rd race start ever, he went from 6th to third and i really like that it's very poetic. that's so cute yeah that's good <laughs> i love that guy oh he uh, yeah it's, it's so hard to dislike russell right he pushed so hard for williams yeah. he also seems yeah. to be quite a gentleman he does those stupid powerpoints with his the streamer <laughs> friends you know he's just uh and the, and the thing that people are saying which which i hope is true is that mercedes and red bull were so obsessed with each other last year that there's a lot of r&d to come mm-hmm and that for Red Bull, maybe it's a you know a quarter of the season in, and Mercedes it might take half. Yeah. But um, to see if we saw all three of these teams plus or minus oh, yeah. Alpine truly duking it out, yeah, would be incredible. that would be great. Right so here's my question too. That was our race, moving you know beyond the race. Mm-hmm. Is Ferrari now the clear front runner for both championships? Yes. Yes. <laughs> nice. Very clearly. Oh, nice. yeah. Both Mercedes and Red Bull fans agree on one thing: Ferrari is better than us right now. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like. I kind of like that. Yeah. The, 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 I like that they sort of came out of the shadows and, and took them both out. Mm. Do you think it will stay that way after summer break? I think it will. I hope it won't. Is my answer. So I hope that the substrate is there for it to at least be Charles versus Max. Yeah. Um, and ideally, I'd like to see Charles versus Max versus George. 
What do you think will be the podium in Imola? I th- okay. If I had to bet what is going to happen, um, I don't think Red Bull is going to fix their problems. Mm, brave. I was going to say I think they will, but okay. Yeah, so this is great. That's what predictions are all about. So I'm going to say um, Leclerc signs for Stappen. Wow. But I would prefer I would prefer that Charles like fully crash out of the race, <laughs> even though he's my favorite driver. So just to make it a more I think that will happen. Competition. But I think he will take Verstappen with him. Oh no! And not I this think, stuff again. I think it will be yeah. Perez, Sainz, Hamilton. Oh, I love it. Uh, so I think. Uh, well, first of all, for any, I don't think we have any Red Bull fans that listen to us. But if there are any Red Bull fans, don't lose hope in Verstappen. One DNF, and he's right back in the fight. We're too early to to lose hope in anyone, including Mercedes fans okay. with Mercedes. So I think. Mercedes will bring an update to Imola. I really hope they do because this is ridiculous. I think they'll bring an update to Imola. I think they'll be a little faster. Imola as a circuit is very similar to Albert Park, which already suited them a little bit. So I think that they, I think we will see a Mercedes on the podium. I think Hamilton will be P3. I think P2 will be, will be Charles Leclerc. And I think P1 will be Science. So yes. Carlos signs in front of the Tifosi. Like, what more could you ask for for this man? It would be nice to see Carlos win because I put him down as my prediction to win in Australia. And I even made uh-huh. him my turbo driver in my fantasy F1 league. <laughs> when I saw him beach. And it's funny fantasy F1 because, you know, before I would have seen him beach and be like, oh, that's a real shame for him. Whereas now I was like, yeah. where are the marshals? Push him out. Push him out. That's so true. The same for me and Ocon. He, oh, I have like a, just a charity Ocon in my lineup. I don't care about him. But now I, I need him to at least beat Gasly, beat his teammate. Yeah. You know? yeah. I'm invested in this man. So I did badly in my fantasy F1 again this week because my team was Signs, Magnussen, Leclerc, Perez, and Ocon. I have the charity Ocon as well because I think he's cheap. <laughs> Yeah, I have the same team as you. But the winner of our Fantasy F1 League was Rich Thorne, who's from the UK. And his team was Leclerc, Perez, Ocon, probably a charity one again, Bottas <laughs> and Gasly. And he got 221 mm-hmm. points. Wow. So we will be Smoke. sending That's him... phenomenal. We will be sending him a 3D printed version of the track from Australia. And hopefully it will be with him very, very soon. Yeah. I'm fourth in your league, which makes me very excited. Yeah. Luckily, I did have Ferrari as a constructor. And yeah. now, before the first race, have Sainz, Leclerc, Perez, Magnussen, Ocon. Still have Ferrari. Yeah, I've got no Red subs. Bull as my constructor, and I keep losing points on them because yeah. they can't finish races. Finish races, yeah. Red Bull side. My fantasy league can do better. That's brutal. <laughs> Mohamed, I think you had a Horner's Corner for us. Yes. Okay, so uh, Adam, he alluded to it a little bit earlier. This made me laugh so much. Is this like the brainstem nucleus that gives you Horner's syndrome? Or Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Christian Horner said, I'd rather fix... A- no, he didn't say that. He said he starts every sentence with look. So make sure you do your impression of Christian right. Okay, he said, look. Look. <laughs> <laughs> he said, look, I'd rather fix a fast car than make a slow and reliable one fast. And I, I get that it's a very val it's a very valid point to have. You know, would you rather build in reliability or build in speed? It's much easier to build in reliability. But he's obviously alluding to Mercedes, who have built a slow car that's reliable. But the current <laughs> championship standing 
is Ferrari mm-hmm. P1, Mercedes P2, and Red Bull P3. So clearly that strategy isn't working out for Red Bull. And it's funny that he sure. says it like in a bragging way, but it's not working out for him. And this makes me laugh so much about Christian. We were saying in a different episode that, you know, he was like, oh, Total Wolf, he sits at home on Zoom in Monaco and that's how he does things. I like to go out in the field and track, but Total Wolf has beat you eight years in a row in the constructors. So maybe you shouldn't brag about that. And right now Mercedes is beating you by 10 points in the constructors. So maybe you should build in some reliability to your car. I don't this know. is an important reminder as well that we need to stop sniping at each other on Twitter because while we've been focused on this, the Red Army has knocked down the door yeah. and they're taking no prisoners. And... <laughs> They're probably because they always do. I don't know. Yes, no. looking for the cheating. Look for the smoking gun. Mercedes have sixty-five <laughs> points. Okay, between both drivers, Charles Leclerc by himself is seventy-one. Charles Leclerc is the top constructor by himself. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that was my moment of this of the weekend. Do you guys have a moment of the weekend you'd like to share? Yeah, my moment of the weekend is Sebastian Vettel driving around on a scooter like he's in Mario Kart with a mushroom <laughs> helmet on his head. I, I, I love that. <laughs> the Ukraine mushroom helmet too, yes. which is a beautiful thing. And then the memes that came out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Adam, do you have a moment from the weekend you'd like to share? Yeah, I think my favorite moment was an interview with Yuki Tsunoda, who was just an, like an awkward interview <laughs> at the best of times. And, and I really love him for that. And so at some point, he said something to the effect of, you know, Gasly has become like a boyfriend or a girlfriend to me. (laughs) And it was just like, (laughs) I think he knows what he's saying, but he doesn't care how awkward he's being. And and I just love it so much. Like, I just want to fanfic these guys. I just want to ship them so hard. Yeah, Like, they're clearly in love. You know, I, I told I was talking to my sister about uh, Jeddah and why they weren't, you know, why the drivers didn't want to drive in Jeddah and explaining the drama. And this is such an mm-hmm. amazing Yuki Tsunoda moment to me. But I was telling her that, you know, they were doing this Grand Prix Driver Association meeting and it was close to the public. And we just got these pictures through windows of what was going on. And at some points, you can see Alonso is talking to the crowd. At some points, it's Lewis. But throughout the entire thing, consistently, Yuki Tsunoda sleeping in the corner doesn't care what the conversation is. He's like, <laughs> it's 2 a.m. I've had enough. I'm sleeping. <laughs> so I really, yeah, that's just so legit. I really like that about Yuki. Classic Yuki. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on a on a different note, though, Adam, so I, I have really enjoyed this past hour that we've spent speaking together. I think it's really important for yeah, this has been great. I think it's really important for people of different backgrounds who ha- supposedly are supposed to hate each other to come together and talk. Um, we had an episode uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago called Champion of the World. It was the season finale for last season. And we talked and we had a lot of people on uh, neutral fans, new fans, old fans, um, but most of them were Mercedes fans and they talked about the last lab in Abu Dhabi and how it made them feel, but we didn't have anyone that was a Red Bull fan. And since you're here, I wanted to give you some uh, uninterrupted airtime to just give us what the Red Bull fan opinion of the final lap in Abu Dhabi was just so our listeners who are Mercedes fans yeah. don't get stuck in echo chambers and they can hear the uh, the other side of it. Yeah, I, I'll do my best. You know, I don't have anything prepared, which I think is probably a good thing. I will say, you know, watching that race uh, and seeing all that Max had been through and how hard he'd push in that year through, you know, years and years and years of Mercedes dominance and, you know, obvious skill. 
I was I was very excited during the race. I was actually um I had to scrub out of a of a of a case that I was doing an embolization to to call a clinician and I managed to flip on F1 TV just as that safety car moment was happening and my heart was absolutely racing. Like I just could not believe that he had this opportunity to to become world drivers champion as he as he clearly deserved you know as the numbers sort of clearly show um you know over the course of the season you know it, it you know the thing that i we people don't say very respectfully online but i think is is kind of fair to to point out is that it wasn't terribly close you know there were quite a few dnfs and, and things that sort of got in the way and, and allowed these standings to look closer than they were um, and you know, there's this, you know, this the so-called human error champion. You know, uh, there was a lot of human error on all sides. You know, there's, uh, you know, Lewis going straight on in Baku. You know, was you know, not not a true reflection of his skill either. You know, there are a lot of moments that will I think will go down as controversial. Silverstone being one of them as well, for sure. And um, I think from the Red Bull point of view, what we see as the human error in the final moment in Abu Dhabi was that Michael Masi allowed a handful of cars to pass the safety car and unlap themselves instead of all of them. And I guess the, the final logical conclusion we see from that is that if he did his job correctly, he would have let all the cars unlap themselves instead of some, which would have also placed Max behind Lewis. You know, people who are, are super fans on either side are going to see what they want to see in that moment. You know, there are other ways to look at that situation and, and what the specific error was and what the end result would have been as a result of that. One, one of the most egregious parts I think that we both agree on is how much lobbying these team principals did. And so, you know, I think it was, it's gotten, it got to the point where it was so desperate that both team principals were behaving dishonorably. Um, but I, I'm not really a Masi apologist because I think that, you know, Lewis was probably treated too charitably, charitably for in Silverstone, for instance, and that Max probably wasn't, uh, you know, treated harshly enough in Monza. And so I think that there are situations where um, the officiating was just, bad in that season I think it's like you know a football match where people talk about if the referee doesn't punish a bad tackle in the first part of the game Mm -hmm. then it leads to loads of bad tackles for the rest of the game and then the referees lost control by that point I think that's this analogy is going over my head what kind of football are you talking about real football or your fake football real football not hand egg okay so the NFL the one you play with your feet we kick the ball too. We also kick the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the, one thing I want to add to what you were saying was because, you know, it was going down to be one of the greatest seasons of all time. And I think the way it's ended, it, it's like having a favorite TV show and the season finale mm-hmm. is so terrible. It ruins everything. And, yeah. uh, you know, Dan Gurney, Engine Mode 11 on Twitter, he said, yeah. I hope. Max has the opportunity to win another championship because it would be such a shame for his legacy if this is the one that he gets because he did nothing wrong. Like you said, an opportunity was put in front of him and mm-hmm. he did the best that he had to do. But it's yeah. all this stuff that gets thrown at him, human error, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, and for It people- really is a finale that ruins the season too because Michael Massey is very clearly Daenerys Targaryen. Yeah. Yeah. There's just no doubt yeah. about that. 
for me, it, it wasn't the rule about moving the lapped cars out of the way or not. It was the rule that says the safety car comes in the next lap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Massey decided to just bring it in this lap, yeah. which people didn't expect. But yeah, I think the Red Bull position is somewhat, you know, also Lewis cutting the corner at the beginning, not not giving it back in a way that was consistent. You can say, you know, yeah. reestablishing the gap, this and that, um, but that's not precedented, right? It's not what happened yeah. the, the, the innumerable times that Max committed the same crime. But this is this goes all the way back to the, yeah. the whole inconsistencies across the season of mm-hmm. Brazil, yeah, totally. of the, yeah. was he brake testing or not in Jeddah? Uh, Monza, mm-hmm. Silverstone, just the whole inconsistencies of everything and the way other drivers were treated in Austria and stuff. Yeah, and yeah no question. That's that's all we want as fans is consistent, predictable penalties. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I should be able to look at something and go, oh, that'll get a five-second penalty. And then two seconds later, race control comes on and says, five-second penalty for blah, blah, blah. The penalty shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah. I do hope that Max is able to challenge and win again because he deserves it. Charles also deserves it, so it does not have to be immediate. But I also think that the beauty of Lewis Hamilton securing an eighth World Drivers' Champion in yet another regulation change would put him in a position that Michael Schumacher never achieved. Mm. And so if he was able to put the coda on his career and stand atop everyone else in terms of sheer Drivers' Champions and do that which Michael was unable to do, on the naturally aspirated, you know, Mercedes team, mm-hmm. then he's the uncontrovertible, incontrovertible, um, you know, de- deity driver of the sport. Like nobody can ever say anything again. And so I, I, I wish that for both of them. Thank you so yeah. much for giving us that very nice uh, sentiment towards Lewis. I know you're a Red Bull fan, so you didn't have to do that. We very much appreciate it. Amazing driver. We appreciate you guys, you on the, on the show. Um, I had a great time, uh, better yeah. than I thought it would be, and we ho- we'd love to have <laughs> you back. <laughs> we'd love to have you back later in the in the season, maybe for a different race. Um, but for everybody else listening, this has been Slow Pit Stop. Bye. Hi. Thanks, guys. Bye. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.